Okay, welcome friends. Good, uh, good evening. Um, my name is Derek Spiva, Jr. Um, I am actually a pre-concert lecturer um, often here for the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I'm not affiliated with the Divan Orchestra. I think my attire might suggest otherwise, but um, I'm a composer who uh, integrates uh, a lot of music from West Africa into my classical music. And so whenever I speak about classical music, I like to wear the robes that were made for me when I visited that area um, last year and the year before that. So that is where this comes from for me, personally. <laughs> but anyway, welcome. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm actually very, very happy that uh, this orchestra has come to visit Los Angeles uh, to do a concert for us. Um, just personally speaking, kind of going off the script, I, I just want to say that um, it's a, a very divisive time right now for us. There's a lot going on. There's, there's shootings, these, the, the bombing the stuff. There's, there's, a, there's a lot going on right now, and there's a lot of divisive rhetoric and to see and hear an orchestra like this come to play for us at, at this time, it, it couldn't be uh, more timely than it is right now. And I, I, I'm... And so I, I hope that we can take away from this evening a, 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 a kind of warm sense of hope and determination to keep working at trying to be better communicators with each other. Um, today also happens to be uh, the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, uh, which was a conflict that was born out of divisiveness and fractured states, fractured people, groups of people. And, um, that conflict ended today, a hundred years ago, and here we are finding ourselves sliding backwards uh, with divisiveness. And I, 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 I believe that we're gonna be able to get out of this. And music and performances like this is what gives us the encouragement and the will and the power uh, to proceed in that way, on that path. So, with that, we should begin. Um, the West Eastern Divad Orchestra is a really, really special group. Uh, it's comprised of, and I wanna make sure I've got the full list here. Um, I actually wanna read this. This is from their website. It's really, really beautiful. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, so I'm just gonna go ahead and read it down. The West Eastern Divan Orchestra brings together Arab and Israeli musicians. It defies fierce political divides in the Middle East. Three years after it was established, the orchestra was given a home in Seville by the regional Spanish government of Andalusia. Uh, the area's history as a center for sustained coexistence among Muslims, Christians, and Jews in Europe continues in the West Eastern Divan's rehearsals and discussions. So I think that's really profound for me. I highly encourage you guys to visit their websites if you haven't done so already to read more about the group. But 
the, the power and the determination to come, against, come together uh, as human beings that enjoy playing music uh, together and have that override whatever kind of political views you might have is a very powerful statement that I hope uh, we can all engage in, even just listening to the group, coming together to listen to the group. So the uh, first piece that they're going to play this evening, uh, Don Quixote, uh, written by Ricard Strauss, is composed in 1897 and premiered in 1898. This is a very interesting piece. It's a very awesome concert because the first piece, this piece, is very programmatic. Okay? It really sounds like you're watching a movie if that makes sense. <laughs> um, and what's extraordinary about it is it is just like a lot of the movies today that we watch, uh, it comes from a, um, it comes from a, a novel of the same title, Don Quixote, by Miguel de Cervantes. My apologies. <laughs> but um, so it's published in two parts. The first in 1605, the second in 1615. And Don Quixote is one of the most influential works of literature from the Spanish Golden Age and the entire Spanish literary canon. It's a very famous read. Um, I remember reading it when I was in high school. It was kind of a tough read, but uh, it was good. It was good. So the story follows the adventures of a noble, Hildago, named Alonso uh, Quijano, who reads so many chivalric romances that he loses his sanity and decides to become a knight errant. Uh, and he decides that he wants to revive this chivalry, uh, serving his country under the name Don Quixote de la Mancha. And so, this, it's, uh, chivalry, I, I, that was one word that I actually had to look up because I kept saying, well, what does chivalry mean? Like, I was talking about it with my wife, who's here, and we were just kind of going back, back and forth, like, why couldn't we really just find, like, a direct meaning as to what chivalry is? And, uh, you know, surfing the internet, we realized that there's not really, like, a settled meaning of it, but it kind of means a multitude of things. But in general, it's really about the approach of the way, it's like a, a um, social contract of how you're going to uh, hold yourself in front of others, how you're going to be um, as a knight. And so um, it actually comes from uh, uh, the medieval knightly system. Uh, and it's, it acts as like a social code. I wrote all this out because I knew it was going to be complicated and I might mess it up. <laughs> and so it's uh, the combination of qualities expected of an ideal knight, especially courage, honor, courtesy, justice, and a readiness to help the weak. So courteous behavior, especially that of a man toward a woman, which is great. Um, and then in the 1880s, uh, around the time when, of Strauss, uh, the, although the piece was composed in the 1890s, the late 1890s, there was uh, a kind of written Ten Commandments of what chivalry was thought of to be back then. 
I'm not going to go through all of them, but I will give you a quick moment to read through some of them yourself if you can see them. Um, I know that we can't see them all, but um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I'm just going to leave it up for a little bit and then go to the next one. Okay, so the P starts with an introduction. And I actually really like this because I love watching movies. I, does anyone like watching movies? I love watching movies. So I, I, I am going to like to listen to a musical film. That's, and that's essentially what this is. So you've got to kind of play this out in your head. A guy walks in and he's thinking, you know, there's nothing like sitting down and reading a great book. And then as he reads deeper and deeper and deeper into the book, he gets so involved in the fantasy that he's reading that he decides to go through a metamorphosis and become another person and live out that fantasy and have these wild adventures. Uh, and that's essentially what's happening in Don Quixote. Uh, the main character in the novel Alonzo uh, Kiahano uh, metamorphoses into Don Quixote. And so I'm going to kind of play uh, a, a clip from the introduction, two clips from the introduction. They're both about two minutes long, so it's a little long. But I want you to kind of hear as we go from something that's very clear, a theme that's very clear, into something that actually kind of becomes a bit of a collage and it becomes kind of unstable and there's like a lot of uh, different keys coming in and modulations of the same theme that was at the beginning. So I'm gonna play two examples of that. Thank you. 
So that to me kind of sounds like this introduction, a gentleman walking in, and then you have that low chord right in the middle. The gentleman sits down, opens the book, begins to read, and the fantasy begins. And then later on in that, in that introduction, which you'll hear once you get in there, we end up in this situation here. So you could kind of hear that theme that first came in when the, the sitting down to opening the book, it's scattered about in the, the clip that I just played, but it's kind of buried in a, in a wash of other things that are happening. And to me, that really signifies how the mind begins to swirl and he begins to change into this, 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 this new character. He's going to go on all of these wild adventures. So... The next thing, and you guys, you all have to remember this because this is one of the most important parts of, of this particular lecture as it pertains to Don Quixote, okay? Uh, Quixote, sorry. Uh, the very first theme in, this, in the, the movement after the introduction, the cello solo represents Don Quixote. And often the cello solo, the cello itself, when it solos, is that character. We'll often play this particular motive here, and you will hear it scattered about throughout the entire piece. And even when the cello just comes in by itself and, and has these kind of acrobatic lines and it's not necessarily playing exactly what you see here, that is also representing uh, Don Quixote. So when you're hearing that, you're hearing him going on these adventures in the orchestra, kind of providing the soundscape, the, the set, the, the lighting, the, the environment around this character as he's kind of moving through his uh, nightly adventures. Um, he also, in the story, recruits a peasant farmer to be his squire. The name of the, pe uh, the peasant farmer is Sancho Panza. And he actually has his own theme as well, signified by the solo viola. So whenever the viola comes in alone, 
that is him. And also the tenor tuba bass clarinet um, also are used to depict uh, the squire. So I'm going to play both of those uh, examples for you. We're going to start first with the cello solo, so you can hear uh, Don Quixote's, uh, Quixote's theme, and then we'll go to Sancho. So the, the genius of this theme for me is that it always seems to be modulating. It always seems to be swirling around as if not to be nailed down to one thing because that is exactly what's going on in his mind. He's jumping from one fantasy to the next, fantasies within fantasies. Um, Strauss is amazing. <laughs> this is Sancho. So the next thing that I want to play for you all is how these two gentlemen interact with each other, the sound of them communicating with each other in the music. That's also something that you're going to want to recognize because you're going to hear that often in the piece, these themes kind of going back and forth as they have this conversation as they usually do in the uh, novel. So um, I'm going to be playing Variation 3 where they're in conversation uh, with each other. And... Thank you. 
So he really does a, a wonderful job of capturing the, the musicality of our speech. Usually when you're having a conversation with somebody, uh, if it's very kind of serious and you're trying to figure something out, it has these kind of waves of emotion and these waves of sound. It really does a wonderful job of uh, capturing that. So the next thing that I want to uh, play for you guys is some of the music that captures the environment around the story. The wind blowing, these kinds of environmental uh, uh, sounds that help accompany and set the scene uh, for a lot of uh, uh, Don's encounters as he rides through this fantasy uh, with the squire. So this particular uh, ride through the air is, in, in the book, there are many, many, <laughs> there are many moments where Don and the squire have created a very serious problem with the people that they are around, and they get beaten down, and then they have to escape. It seems to happen over and over again because he's mad. Uh, there was a point in the, in the story where he was fighting windmills with his sword because he had fantasized that they were uh, monsters. <laughs> so... Um, there were a lot of moments where they had to escape, and you hear these sweeping winds, a lot of s these rips in the 16th notes with the, with the strings um, and the winds as it kind of encapsulates this kind of ride through the air of their escape, which happens often uh, in the story. next part that I want to play for you is also some of the interactions that they have after uh, something wild has happened. This next part is a, a conversation that they're having on a boat. And um, often when they have these conversations, um, the squire is trying to help Don live out this fantasy because Don has promised him that if he does this, if he, if he helps him with all of these things that he's doing, that he will award him a governorship in the area. And so this, this peasant farmer is thinking, of course, like, I totally want to be rich. I'm going to help this guy, even though he's crazy. Uh, so this next part here really kind of encapsulates the kind of mood that uh, uh, the squire feels when he's talking to this gentleman and he knows that he's mad but uh, he's going to continue helping him with his fantasy regardless.
so the, now we're actually going to move on. I could spend the entire time on this particular piece, but we've got two pieces tonight. The next piece, Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony, is actually a real favorite of mine. Um, and I think it's quite fitting that it's actually on this concert. There's um, a lot of information behind this, story, this, this particular symphony um, that, uh, there we go, um, that I think would resonate with us today. So this piece is not a programmatic piece. Um, unlike the Third Symphony and the Fourth Symphony, uh, this piece, it has no particular meaning that the composer was intending. Uh, but it is like a cyclical symphony with a reoccurring main theme that is heard in all four movements. So you're going to hear that theme again and again and again. Um, the most fascinating thing about this particular uh, piece is that it starts in E minor and it sounds very kind of sad, very rough. And by the end of the symphony, the main theme returns and it sounds triumphant. It sounds major. It's E major. Uh, and what's really extraordinary about this is uh, when this piece was played, um, this piece had a, a real resurgence in the 1930s and the 1940s. It was, it was played a lot. Um, and it was played because of morale. So uh, there was a world war happening, World War II. Uh, there's, a, there's, in particular, uh, in Stalingrad, when the Germans were fighting the Russians, uh, the Stalingrad Philharmonic played this piece many times. And it was, it was, they were asked to play it again and again and again because it was meant to kind of install morale in the local uh, population, anybody that had a radio that could listen to it, because it would help give them hope. The, the, there's a, there's a, a sound of uh, perseverance that happens uh, in this particular piece. So I'm going to play a little bit of the first movement and then a little bit of the second movement. And I'm just going to ask you to kind of listen to each part and think about, think to yourself the perseverance that you might have to go through or have gone through in your life. Because what's so touching about classical music is when you personalize it. You get a lot out of it. When you go to a concert, when you go to a classical concert, and there's no programmatic particular story behind the piece, that gives us the opportunity to make it personal, to make it mean a lot to us. And sometimes it will make us weep because of how beautiful it sounds, because it, it resonates with us because we personalized it. So I'm going to play a little bit of the first movement and then a little bit of the, the second movement. And um, let's observe that, especially uh, in this day and time. Thank you. 
And then the just a little bit of the finale here. This is actually a fitting kind of close of a piece for the concert because this idea of perseverance could be easily applied that the perseverance that these musicians have to play with one another, this concert for us tonight. The perseverance that we have to be here with everything that we have going on in our lives. I don't know if anyone might be here that has been affected by the fires uh, in Ventura County or Los Angeles County and the perseverance that anybody that, that lives in those areas might have to keep going even though you've lost it all but to have that perseverance to keep going it's a really, really fitting piece uh, for this evening um, and we can listen to this piece and we can make it our story and I ask that you do that tonight that you make this Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony be a symphony for you and whatever you have going on in your life. I think it will mean a lot. And it means a lot to see these young musicians playing together with all of the circumstances that we have today. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> 